Hey guys, this is uh, John and a little different episode right now. We're actually in a truck with my buddy Ben. Say hi, Ben. Hey. Uh, we are driving up to our stone sheep hunt. So Jake's not with us, obviously, but uh, we wanted to do a little podcast. This is going to be, I guess we'll call this episode uh, 9.5 because on 10 we're doing our giveaway. And so we don't want to do that yet, but we also wanted to get some content out to you guys, um, you know, on kind of some some of these unique hunts that not as many guys get to go on so it's kind of a special deal and i don't know we'll just talk ben and i've been friends for he's known me longer because i was what one when you met me and i didn't obviously know who you were then <laughs> yeah he was uh, not quite two years old when we met and uh yeah. we've had an ongoing friendship ever since yeah so he was he'd been a few couple years older than me three or four years older so um grew up in washington together and uh since then i'm down in oregon ben still he moved a little further north into washington by bellingham so uh he's uh he stays off of social media because he's smarter than a lot of us so not as many guys know him as much so this is kind of fun to get him on a podcast we'll ask some questions and just kind of see where it goes as we're driving up we drove what did we do i drove up to bellingham yesterday for about six hours then what have we been driving today so far so we've got away we left at probably 8 a.m out of bellingham it's quarter after five now so it's driving nine 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 and a half hours so far yep. and we've got another four or five to go something yep. like that full day full long day of driving here so this is a i guess this is a mobile podcast today here. yeah this is our first one so we checked the we're, we're passing a big semi oh maybe not <laughs> we're uh we checked the audio, so hopefully there's not too much uh, not too much feedback or road no- road noise. But it's pretty quiet in here. So anyway, I I don't know where this is gonna go, but uh, I wanted to do one, and and I'm gonna try to email this out tonight and see if we can get this published while we're gone. And we'll try to do uh, something on the way back with um, hopefully some cool stories of uh, some results. <laughs> some results. So going up there, we've got we got two tags uh, for stone sheep, and uh, should be a, a, a really cool area. So. I don't know where we start here, but Ben, uh, how like quickly uh, early early years? What what got you into guns? What got you into hunting? Oh, I think just obviously grew up in the country, yep. similar to you, and then uh, it's just kind of slowly, steadily grown, which is crazy now because it's been oh, I don't know thirty years. I think this is my thirty first hunting season. Mm-hmm. John's been around for most of those. Um, and of course it just starts like always just small game on the farm and then uh as you as you grow and learn about other areas other spots get more capable as a as a hunter um you kind of start branching out and that's exactly what happened with uh with my situation with john's situation and um yeah it uh I think our biggest things thinking back was we never had an area that, that we knew. And that was always a really big deal was to try and find, you know, an area that we had access to that actually had animals that we could hunt. And I remember for years and years as a kid, that was tough. Um, if we found a new area that, that had something in it that we could go after, that was always really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially early on when you're limited by, uh, uh, what you can ride your bike to or your motorbike to because before a driver's license and stuff. So your area expands. Obviously, you start driving. We start checking out more areas. You started working up. We lived uh, kind of cent- western Washington, kind of central, uh, east of Centralia, Halis, you know, kind of on the west side of the state. Uh, blacktail were there. Uh, and we didn't do a lot of a lot of deer hunting. It was mostly ducks and, and birds and, and, and smaller stuff until you guys moved up further north, kind of working up around the San Juans. 
and start big game kind of started there right yeah and yeah that was kind of the beginning of it we've done a little bit of deer and bear hunting not very successful as you know late teens early 20s um but then when the san juan island shift came around where we moved up there and started working there was a lot of uh island deer up there tons of blacktail and that kind of got things rolling for um myself and and john would obviously come up and jump in with us and yep that was kind of the beginning of it and then uh I moved over to the mainland uh, about an hour away from there and discovered uh, Skagit County, eastern Skagit County area, and uh, the doors kind of opened up with some areas for black bear hunting and a little bit of deer, but that's when, when areas and access started kind of coming to light. And keep in mind, we're still, you know, at this point, we're pretty young. We're in our early 20s um, and, and just kind of getting our feet on the ground. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'd, done, we'd done some, I guess, some varmint trips out of state a few different times before that but yeah nothing too major just the typical shooting squirrels shooting coyotes chasing i chased deer with bow and stuff growing up but nothing we did a lot of duck hunting so i could we i carry my two decoys i hunted a lot with ben's younger brother at the time he ben was working more and so he'd jump in with us a couple days a week and then we'd also hunt ducks all the time anyway long story short so we're back up to bellingham you uh started finding bears and that's kind of where the long range side of things kicked in more for you, right? Yeah, that definitely did. Um, so you what know. was the first guy? Cause so you, so Ben hates gear. So we'll talk gear. Like he's not a gear guy. So guys will nerd out about ballistics, this and BC that and all this stuff that, you know, a bunch of us geek out about. And Ben's like, I just want something that works. I'm going to kill it. And he knows how to run it. He knows how to shoot it. He's, he's awesome with all that stuff, but he gets sick of it. But early on, I was thinking about this. You were like my first ballistics like nerd because oh, yeah. I remember you digging back in the day and reading numbers about a 220 Swift and he reads how fast they are. And you started that. And then you did the same thing with a Weatherby 3378 right yeah i keep on this is like this is in the 90s this is like early early 90s maybe the mid 90s but i remember cracking open these huge books that somebody yeah, had given digest us. of the world or something i mean this is this is before internet era so oh, we're looking yeah. through these giant you know hardback books that have all these stats that are probably written down you know from the 50s or something <laughs> but i remember finding a 220 swift and that was the flattest shooting rifle on this list yeah and um ended up buying one somehow and built it put a put a pretty heavy scope on it especially for my budget at that time and it it was you know for us it was it was pretty amazing you could shoot three four five hundred yards um and we didn't get a chance to really get out that much with it but that was probably the number one long range you know quote unquote long range yeah for what Um, we knew at the time (laughs) for what we knew at the time i mean uh, you know typical farm stuff your 150 yards was a big deal yeah yeah. And with that, you could really stretch out. But jumping back up, you know, to where we were starting to get into the bear seasons and, you know, eastern Skagit, it was some big, rough country that was brushy. But if you got to the right outcroppings and all that, you had, you know, had some longer range shots yeah, the, and it was kind of required. Yeah. The first time we really, you got up into the mountains where you're shooting across canyons and you're not, you know, where we grew up was was there was definitely mountains you know you could drive to and you know big logging up in the in the hills but it was more flat ground and pretty thick brush you could be pretty effective with a 30 30 if you needed to be so you got up in these big canyons you know some you got into some alpine ground up there in the north cascades which is one of the just super beautiful up there and there's bears up there and so now you're thinking i need something big the 220 switch obviously isn't going to kill a bear you need something big and long range and this is pre a lot of long range there's some early early internet forums starting um 
you know, longrangehunting.com and some early stuff. And so you built, you built a, you bought a Weatherby, right? Yeah. It was a, what was that? A Mark five. Yeah. Mark, Weatherby yeah. Mark five with a large Leopold scope on it. Put that no together. No turrets or anything at that point. No, there no turrets were out. Um, put that all together with the intentions of going up after some of these pretty good sized bears, a phenomenal area. Yeah. And then hardly anybody was even going to it, but you could hike up there and see multiple large bears, you know, per, per outing. Yeah. And that's back when you're packing a set of binos, a rangefinder, and your rifle all together. Um, you just about needed a shopping cart to put it all in, in one <laughs> setup and get up there. Yeah. So then that, uh, see if I remember right, what, didn't the scope mounts break or well, something yeah, happened? Yeah, so that whole setup failed. Um, got up on the mountain, hiked around, got onto a really, really large bear. Was that a fox oh, crossing the road? Like something's running across the road from us. What is that? It's bigger than a fox. Something with four legs and a head just ran across <laughs> the road. Big bushy tail. I'm guessing a fox. <laughs> anyway, so I'm I'm up there, eastern Skagit County, and, you know, doing work, getting in on this bear, and I think I closed the gap to about 275 yards, and this thing is right below me, and I've slithered my way halfway down the hillside mm-hmm. and crawled up on an old growth stomp, and the bear's coming straight at me. Waited for 275, clear, nice opening, squeezed off a shot. The bear just turns and bolts, cranked off another shot or two. Nothing is happening to the bear. He's still just running. <laughs> and then I look down and realize that the scope mounts, the whole works, has just come apart. Yeah, that was, so it was a big, I can't remember what, I think it was a big scope with some pretty light rings. I think the recoil from that just sheared off. Did it shear off the literally, screws? Literally pulled the just just pulled it right out of the of the mounts. Yeah, so so at that point now comes in. Well, we're gonna keep we're gonna make a long story here, but at some point you meet Dave Powers, a buddy of ours over in Idaho. He does it's kind of affiliated with Night Force. Does a lot of uh, knows a lot of people there and 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 does that. So you ended up with uh, you ended up getting a good solid like one piece base with solid Night Force rings and a, and a five and a half twenty two NXS put on that, right? I think so. And obviously, I was highly motivated to get the equipment dialed in because yeah, that place in particular was difficult to get to. A lot of foot travel. Um, just to have everything kind of crumble, you know, and it's, and it's your gear, it's your own fault. So I was really motivated to get something that would hold together. And, um, we, you know, we put that together with the night force setup, And shortly after that, that's when kind of some real, I guess now you call it mid range stuff, but when we were yeah. four and 500 yard shots, you know, in a hunting situation, um, was starting to come together pretty well. Yeah. There's definitely a few, a few, uh, white tails over in Idaho that we brought down at, four and a half four and a quarter something like that and it was that was starting to feel pretty good build some confidence mm-hmm. yep and so that's you were kind of my gateway drug in a lot of ways i guess that was kind of i got a 300 ultra remington didn't shoot long you know it, you talked to me about this guy in idaho i ended up shipping over there we got you know got my first custom barrel on the 300 ultra mag and and same story and so from there we started started um you know going further and further and you know bears are in like just such a giant step from you know hunting ducks and seeing like the little black tail down at home and doing that kind of stuff and then moving up to like hey this is a bear up in the alpine and you're packing it out and you're doing the backpack thing and all this stuff you know all those elements that were new it just it 
was really exciting. That rolled into started. You did a lot of bow hunting in Idaho. You kill. I don't know how many elk did you? You kill a pile of elk over there. With I your think bow. I killed nine bulls altogether with a bow and yeah, all public land, all over the counter tags with with a buddy Paul yep. over there. And that uh, was in um, I think in a matter of six seasons, I killed nine bulls. Yeah, one was in Oregon. I think the rest were all in you hunted Idaho. That, you hunted Montana too. You hunted. Did you oh, kill anything right, in Washington? Yeah. Then you hunted a bunch of. You can get. You could get two tags in Idaho. You could do. There was a. There was a. Anyway, you guys just went we, heavy. We into went that. really, really heavy into archery. So I backed off of long range stuff a little bit because I was. I was really working hard with a bow. I was yeah. running two bows at the same time, and as long as the elk were bugling, we were traveling from whatever state we could get a hold of a tag in throughout the rut. At one point, we did three. I think three tags or three states. Um, in one in one season. Yeah, you were Oregon, Idaho, and Wa- in Montana, back and forth. Yeah, we were really, really just putting in some time. It was a lot of fun. And at that point, that's when I really started learning a whole lot more. You know, just in the in the whole hunting world, both archery and yep. rifle, but also long range. So while I'm working on that, John was kind of honing and tuning in. Um, yeah, I was doing a little doing bit l- of archery, but I killed a handful of bulls, but not at the level you were at. I started coming over there later after the wolves had gotten pretty thick and the elk had declined a little bit. Yeah, that's right. But I was still spinning my gears. I was really into the – I was having – I was kind of hooked on the – you know, starting to hit clay pigeons at that four and 500 yards, and I was really getting excited about what guns could do. Um, Turrets at this point were, were definitely in, yep. and, and the stuff was getting to where it was kind of holding together and actually functioning pretty well. So yep. we had buddies, you know, that hear about some of the distances that John was shooting um, and that I was shooting, and they're shaking their head just, well, you know, we don't, we don't know about that. That's just not done. Yeah, it was early on, you know. So so I don't know if we start to skip stuff, but we just kind of plow through. I, I got some landowner tags in Colorado and started hunting deer more and more. You started digging more into elk locally, and uh, we met some guys. You were able to go on a, on a goat hunt with a buddy James, and then Aaron from Kafaru came up. I mean, there's a whole just a— There's a whole lot of adventure stuffed right in that little— it's just started piling and piling phrase, so. and and ben doesn't do anything small when he jumps in he goes he goes he just goes big with with a lot of things in life which is cool and so we started rolling with that where it went from you know james had the tag which would end up being a really cool hunt and then um you know then you started looking at that and you were able to get it yeah we di- pulled the tag i think the next year and one thing i'll kind of back up and say yeah. is one of the things that's been really cool that you didn't, you know, I didn't realize this years ago, but yeah. each trip or each hunt that we've gone out on, if there's other people there, we've met those people, and that always turns into mm-hmm. knowledge of another trip um, or hunt that, you know, may or may not be doable, but it's, you know, it's just it's just networking with the guys that are um, doing the same thing, and that's yeah. once once we started doing that, it it really started to kind of snowball to the point mm-hmm. where, you know, going way back, you know, when we were kids, you had no access. You didn't know anything. Yeah, no as connections, far as where to go. no nothing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, really quick, there was more places, connections, and options than that there was time for or money for. Yeah. And that was that was wild. I remember telling people years ago that you know basically we could go and do anything. You know, we had enough we had enough contacts. We could literally hunt the whole Western Hemisphere and beyond. It was, I mean, and growing up the way we did, that was just not even even thought of. Yeah, we grew up, I mean, I don't, back to, we grew up in a pretty broke logging town. Like, no, really nobody had any community. money to yep. do anything. Like, buying a Ruger 1022 was a big deal. So, I mean, you just didn't, 
no one did anything. You know, no, the, like, the school principal was, you know, when we were growing up, the school principal was like the wealthiest guy we knew of. That was a big deal. And yeah. It was just a crack up looking back now. Yeah. So small, small world uh, of, you know, starting to get into the hunting. I mean, it's, it's a big world, but it's a small world with the guys that are deep into it. And that's a, that's a super good point because every hunt did snowball with more information. And that's how, so fast forward, we're driving up to, a, we're driving up to a sheep hunt right now, you know, back to that that goat hunt when Aaron came up he was the connection uh to Clay Lancaster and up you know up to the go on that first that first that doll sheep hunt right yeah and for you guys that don't know there. you know the Lancaster is a, a huge huge family name in the hunting industry and and you yep. know the the grandfather or father of that was one of the earliest guys doing outfitting yeah, in the yeah. far north and their one of their outfits is is located just I don't know probably 50 to 80 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Mm-hmm. And we hunted that uh, with those guys. John and I went up there and hunted that in 2015 yeah. uh, for moose, uh, doll sheep, and caribou. But um, yeah. that trip was kind of inspired or, or the introduction was made. That was through Aaron Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then meeting and working with those guys, it it's just continued. You know, we did probably... Mm-hmm. No. Six, eight, ten more hunts with Lancasters. Yeah. And then um, continued. We were just hunting with them here seven months ago, six months yeah. ago, um, down in Mexico. So that's one thing that's been pretty cool. And I didn't expect that, um, thinking that we would end up meeting more and more people. And really, like, it just I, it surprised me, I guess, just yeah. that, that you would go from doing one trip and one trip turned into two and then two turned into three, four, five. And yeah. there, was, there was some trips that I did where, where yeah. I, I booked a trip Look at that on bear. a trip. Just past a big black bear right there. Nice. It was just chowed on that tree. But well, this um, is cool. so, so far, we've got a fox, we've got a bear, we've driven by some sheep. We, we, yeah, we passed a couple nice... Uh, it's a big rams. Nice rams some earlier rockies, this morning. Not, not stones, but anyway, you keep going. <laughs> some road distractions here. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah, that's that's one thing I guess that I never even um, assumed would happen. It, that that that's one kind of surprise that that has opened up so many doors and so many options. We met some amazing people throughout the last. Oh yeah. Probably I guess four years. Two thousand fourteen and fifteen was definitely kind of a a launch pad. Uh, you know, we kind of progressed upward, so to speak, as far as what we were hunting and how frequently. But we hit mm-hmm. two thousand thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. And by 2015, we were doing some pretty epic hunts. Mm -hmm. 2016 rolled around. And believe it or not, I think I did. (laughs) I did did 19 big game hunts in about a year and a half. That was the craziest. And just in case you guys are wondering, um, (laughs) I would not recommend that. (laughs) Yeah. By the the time I was done, I was absolutely smoked. Yeah, you were worn ragged. Well, you weren't just hunting yourself. You you went over to help with that moose hunt, and you jumped in on other people's in between your own where you're helping them and... And not, you know, got, did a bunch of stuff like that. Too, no, it so. was, it was turning and burning. I think that year I counted 140 days in the field in that year, you know, in that year segment, most Jeez. of my time on average before that was about 70 days a year in the field, both scouting and mm-hmm. hunting. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was done locally, um, around Mount Baker. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, uh, we, it could go a long ways into that, but 
what are there, what are a couple anything that stands a couple hunts that stand out to you and in, in you say your whole life but in, a, you know, in a good way or in a negative way yeah, we got let's plenty do, of both yeah there that's the thing you uh you get a lot invested in some of these emotionally financially everything and sometimes it can be a big letdown and sometimes it's it's amazing but uh yeah i'll tell you what there's no um <laughs> there is no just happy steady smile um when you're talking hunting it is there's some crazy highs and some wild lows yep. and uh it's pretty for real. Um, you know, I'd say some some top hunts for me, Stone Cheap Hunt in the Yukon, uh, 2016. Yeah, that was unreal. All-time best hunting day, period. It was unbelievable. That one, that one is still number well, one. Okay, we got to talk about it real quick then. So what uh, flew into Whitehorse. Um, it was uh, end of August, rough in August sometime. Early August, about was the 9th. I think I tipped that over on the 9th. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yep, August 9th. So... We flew in, big float plane, beautiful float plane, flew, flew, flew over out to some, you know, some pretty amazing country. For me, one interesting thing that sticks out to me is we roll up, we get to the dock uh, to get on the float plane, and another hunter's coming off, and he looks rough, got a smile on his face, but he looks a little beat up, and he's like, we're like, how'd it go? And he, he just got back, was it 10 or 12 10, days? I think 10 days in the backcountry. Of nonstop hiking. They did this giant through hike where they got dropped off and hiked mountains to another lake to get picked up for 10 days and never saw a legal ram. And so I was like, oh, there's a dose of reality right before we're taking off. Yeah. So that that was the start for me. You know, you go all wide-eyed like, oh, yeah, this is we're going on a hunt, so of course you're going to get something. Like right now I'm pretty optimistic that – I'm hoping this hunt goes well, but you never know. So that's, that starts off. And so what we jump on that plane, we fly out to camp. We're with Bart and, uh, Jason Nutini, Jason Nutini yep. Newts. And, uh, and then what go to camp, crash that night at, at the lake. And then next morning. Yeah. Next morning they had to sleep in a little bit, which was kind of different and, um, slept in a bit and then started hiking up and they had already had these, this small band of Rams was scouted. And at the time we were first in, but there was actually another hunter that was that was scheduled oh, yeah. to be there before us. And opening morning, um, he got a message on the satellite phone or in reach, and he had a fatality in the family. And he uh, was in camp. He, he was flown in, in the camp we were in, right? Yeah, he was on the mountain. He was actually on the mountain, and I don't oh. know if they had the ram in sight or not, but they got the message. There was a fatality, and they made the decision just to pack it up right then and there and, and get back to camp and get flown out. So at that point, I got a message um, from Newts, and he just said, hey, you know, there's an issue. You guys are now up, so jump, you know, basically jump up here as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. So that was a tough situation, obviously, but um, by the time we got up there, I basically rotated the, the hunting order, and they'd known about a really, really large uh, book ram that we had got to and there was another beautiful ram mm-hmm. with it yeah. and long story short we tipped both of them over on the first morning after uh what was it, that mid-afternoon or so yeah we hiked we went up over what was that a couple different big drainages was it the set it was the third second third, or third ma- third mountain third, third mountain back and, and we saw uh, my ram we glass and glass and we saw mine on kind of a ways up there yeah, but pretty high up on a north-facing slope. And I, I saw it. I'd never seen a stone sheep in my life. And I was yeah. like, well, that thing right there looks amazing. Yeah, it had great and curl. It was a beautiful ram. It was a big, big full curl way up over its nose. And um, the guys we were with just said, no, 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 that's not it. We've seen the one that we want for you. 
And a few minutes later, we watched that one and two others cut out. And I got a, I got a look through the spotting scope as it silhouetted over the horizon. Yep. And it just, it was huge. No, <laughs> no was, joke. It was huge. It was a giant, an absolute giant for stone sheep. I mean, if, uh, n- not to go too deep into store, but, you know, giant big Rockies, kind of that 180 plus. Everyone's like, that's a great big Rocky. And then thin horn, which is doll and stone sheep. Uh, in the 60s is a good ram. 70s are, I don't want to, there, how, how many 170 plus stone get killed a year? Yeah. Like one I or mean, two? One? Yeah, I, I, it's hardly I mean, any. It's hard. It's just such a rare, you know, uh, a rare deal. And, and it, it was over 170. It was a giant, giant bases, super long, really low slung, just dropped way, way down, came out, just a beautiful ram. So we went, so we dropped down, cut around the, we were able to get around the mountain, kind of around the base, and then come up the backside of that. And it was just perfect. Wind was good. It was just some super light showers, just good. You know, we just kind of climbed up the mountain, not too, not too bad. We feel, felt like it was kind of a race. We were hurrying. Uh, we got up to this kind of this big rock where we could crawl. It's kind of a, almost like a rock cliff. Just yeah. peaked up, peaked up to it. Yeah, just kind of scrambled up that cliff. And then you crawled over, and it was, I mean, it was just like clockwork. Uh, rolled up there and spotted him at, I can't, do you remember how far he was? 3.15 on mine. Okay. And then the other one was at four and a half, 450 yards. And they were bedded down facing us. Yeah. And um, the guides were kind of scrambling, a little stressed, thinking that they were going to blow out of there. And I was carrying a uh, lightweight mountain rifle and... Uh, we also had the heavy gun with us, and I just told John, I said, hey, you know, pass that thing up here. Yeah. And I remember the, the the outfitter, the guy, they were both about to just turn themselves inside out because they thought we were taking too long, and I just said, no, we got this, we're fine. Mm-hmm. So John passed quick, the big 338 the, he, we, Yeah, we kind of relayed it up the hill because um, we were literally perched on a cliff mm-hmm. and relayed that thing up to me. John spun the scope real quick, which is probably at that distance. Yeah, two I, clicks, three I, clicks. I remember. And... Um, anchored that one put one right through the front of his chest and he didn't even stand up or twitch his head just dropped down to the ground and then um, i rolled out from behind my gun and the other guy rolled in and we dropped a fresh shell in for him yeah it was a friend of um <clears throat> bart's it was a he'd kind of hunted off and on with bart for years uh he was from where's he from overseas somewhere he's from like Nor- norway norway i think it's from from norway he's over in the baltics really cool guy um and he jumped in, and it was a pretty good round. There, so there was a band of three, and and this is this is, this doesn't happen very much, but he rolls in, drops in at four fifty. I dial him up. Wind's pretty light, and uh, uh, he just one shot and smokes that thing. So it drops. So we're all high fives, and we're kind of sitting there. And um, that initial ram, the one we saw with a, that tight full, full curl, was on the other side. So we never saw him. So I don't know. So we go up. Um, get to your ram and just can't believe it it's huge like it's, like as this other guy is trying to make his shot on his ram i'm trying to spot for him but i'm so excited that there is this giant. absolute <laughs> you know looks like a tauntaun off a of star wars <laughs> laying there i mean his head is sticking out the horns are sticking way up off the ground and i keep going back to my dead ram laying there to look at it just to make sure it's really there yeah and espen pulls off a nice shot on his and, and buckles it right down Mm-hmm. And uh, we hike up, get pictures, and start working them up, and hiked kind of back around. We're basically doing a big loop around this mountain, 
and uh, that's when we we looked down and, and john's ram was bedded right below us at about 125 yards yeah we worked up both we worked up both the rams and got him and they were like that ram is over there and he's not going anywhere he's bedded over there he probably didn't doesn't he doesn't even know what's going on so we worked up both rams got everything packed up and then kind of started sneaking up and over the top and looking down the face that we you know we looked at earlier that day and and sure enough found him he was bedded down and um, actually, that's a, I forgot. I shot that with the with the light gun. Yeah, so we so, swapped out, and John shot that one with the light rifle at 125 yards, yeah. and um, it had actually moved over closer towards us since we'd spotted it that morning. Yeah, it was perfect. And it just worked out unbelievably well, tripling on stone sheep on day one. So <laughs> absolutely if, unheard If anybody of. <laughs> can beat that, I would love to hear. But it was just some some incredible luck that came together with a lot of hard work and and there was a lot of homework that was put into that trip as well oh yeah um it was not just pick this name and people out of a hat there there was a lot of research you hunted with jason before that yeah i think i've done i think i've done two or three hunts with with newts and that's back to the relationships you start to you go on one hunt and you hear about well that's what happened to your bear hunt you go on one bear hunt with one guy and then he's like man you really got to check this area out in the spring it is unbelievable and so then you start it's anyway same thing with the stone sheep hunt is you know ben's always you know talking and networking and there's you get to know people and it's a small world and that's how this came about he's like well we know about this and and, you know, Bart is Clay Lancaster's brother, so they refer referral through that and just a big, anyway. That's but there was, there was what, a year and a half? I'd, I'd known about oh, yeah. that large stone sheep for about a year or a year and a half, so it was not an accident or fluke. Um, that's why we booked with, yeah. with those guys, because we had knowledge that there was a really good opportunity at one really big. Yep. And that, at this point, and I'm assuming it's still holding, that was a couple years ago, Bart had done 103 stone sheep hunts that he had guided people on, and this one was the largest one by oh, yeah. a good bit. And they, yeah. were, I think they were more excited than we were. It was unreal. Everybody was really pumped. But Yeah, um, that's why I think that's why they were so wound up. They're like, we yeah. cannot, this thing cannot get away. They were just, it's, you know, it's like anything, a giant, you know, you guys all know where you're hunting where a, a unicorn-sized whitetail or whatever. So they just, there's, there's not many of them. So. Yeah, they'd been on 103 hunts, and I'd been on six hours of a hunt so I mean, the appreciation <laughs> it, was, it was bad yeah the appreciation for them but it was yeah. neat because you you know you put together the the skill and you know and even some of the gear i mean yeah 450 yards and 315 is not a long long ways but you know knowing your your capability and what you're comfortable doing stir that together with some knowledge of a good a good area a good spot with the right people mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's one thing i really enjoy doing is as i'm i'm pretty patient i'll take my time to learn about I can't even say an area. It's more specifically an animal, and I've, I've probably gone after mm. certain a, a one certain animal, multiple species, but I'll pick one out and just make it a goal to try and get that one. Mm. Yeah. Um, 2017, we had about a year and a half lead on, on knowing about a bear, a really big bear that another older hunter had tried to get and, and wasn't able to, um, and we were up on, an, on a spring bear hunt, and... Mm. Uh, that information was shared at camp and i just said you know let's try and put put that together let's try and pull that off and it's, you know it's a year and a half away so we've got plenty of time to think about it and, and plan it but anyway came together mm-hmm. went up there six days of of basically patterning the bears what we did we weren't even scouting yeah. we were just we were just watching exactly what they did mm-hmm. and ended up tipping that thing over 
and uh, <laughs> ended up being the largest brown bear harvested on the Alaskan Peninsula in 2017. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, definitely giant. kind of a bucket list. We'd done two or three mm-hmm. brown bear hunts trying to trying to get one that was really, really big. And mm-hmm. that one ended up caping out at uh, 10 foot six with a 28 and two inch, uh, 28 and two eighths skull. I can't remember, 28 something. It was so giant. It made, it made book. Um, so I'm pretty happy with, with yeah. the way that that came out. But um, yeah, it was, it was cool. No, that's a, I think this is a good lesson. Just when you guys are out and about just for a tip, ask questions and talk with guys and be cool to people, be nice to them, take care of people. Yeah. And, and Build you, those relationships. Um, you, it, it really, it really does help. Um, because if you're picking names off the internet or, or out of a catalog, um, you don't know, you know, you don't know who they're going to end up being until you, you go through it. And that was one thing that's really seemed to help is, is talk to guys that you've, you've either worked with in the past and can rely on, but there's definitely some good information passed around. Yeah. So that's, that was, anyway, that was for you guys, I've used that stone sheet picture that I've got. That's probably one of my favorite pictures of my Ram. It just was turned out perfect. That was, that was from that hunt. And then, so that was a long, long day. We actually made it back to camp that night. I got in pretty late with Jason. We stayed back and Kate mine out. And then it was a grind out, um, over those couple two three mountains whatever that was but it was a it was a fun day so that's a highlight any other thing that stick out maybe we won't dive into it as yeah. deep but any um, other that one was definitely at this I mean, point the bear, that's my that's, that, that's so. my, my my pinnacle hunt for sure you know you're yeah. up there with some some of the most amazing guys in the industry yeah. up there with you know your your best buddy that you've hunted with for you know pushing 30 years now <laughs> and it all came together so that's definitely that's yeah. number one right now people ask me what my favorite hunt is that yeah. one that one still pops up the bear hunt was um it was different. It, it was definitely <laughs> different. Not super enjoyable, but mm-hmm. we pulled off what we were trying to pull off. Yeah. Um, the weather was rough, just a combination of stuff. But yeah. uh, that was a great hunt. That and was an ama- amazing, amazing animal for sure. So yeah. um, definitely rewarding, but we had to work for it and kind of earned that one. Yeah, and to get up there with a the cool like guides make a big. We were up there with our buddy Spencer. Uh, he's worked up there for years. Just a super cool guy, which makes really they can make can make a break. They can a make hunt. a break and, it for sure. You know, when you go up to some of these hunts, it's not like you can go DIY. It's required by law that you're you can't come sheep hunting up here without a guide. So it can it can make a big difference. And so Spencer's super cool, laid back, and so it made the whole fun the whole hunt really really fun. Catching catching some fish right there in the salt flats, like the you know, the brackish water right out of the ocean and, and camping right there and watching those bears, having bears come into those bears. I mean, that sow and cubs were, they were in, right around the camp. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely you know. on high alert the whole time. I think our average was seven to nine bear, you know, encounters or sightings per day for six days straight. So yep. you didn't leave the tent without yeah, a handful gun. of shells and a, and you're yeah. something big. Yeah. But, um, I don't know other than that. I don't know what would be a, is that a, is that a horse? Never mind. I'm, I did I'm trying fall. to. I'm trying. Oh, that's a, look at that box. See his horns. Oh, it is. Yep. Never mind. Yeah, the deer big. John still. John still spotting game. We're getting him warmed up here. Yeah, it's getting to be that. What a time! It's about almost six o'clock, so it's prime time for game here. Yep. So, um, so uh, where do we jump th- jump through? You wanted to touch base on some gear stuff, so we can give you guys kind of a rundown on what we're packing on this trip. Um, yeah, it's kind. Of, we're kind of joking about it. It's been a little bit. We've done some hunts last year, but not big backpack hunts, right? So, yeah, we're kind of knocking the dust off a little bit because John and I've done. We've definitely done a handful of hunts. I think we've probably done six to ten hunts in the last twelve months, but yeah. not anything really really Super. way back country we, we no. did i did three trips in mexico john was down there for a couple yeah um we worked on mule deer up in alberta 
We did so, the elk, but that was that was a you can glass a lot from down low. Yeah, and that was last year. That was we backpacked it out, but it wasn't a we weren't backpacking sleeping for a week or two weeks or whatever. Yeah, so we've kind of had it easy. So it was funny repacking for this trip and kind of trying to remember, you know, what's important and what's just going to be dead weight. Way too much stuff. I we both I think we both packed and we both unpacked all of our stuff and then you know trying to shave weight so kind of roughly what's we're both running um we've ran kefaro packs forever love them they're you know guys say there's lighter packs on the market and there are but the way they handle the load when you get them loaded up they really really carry weight well i like you know aaron frank the guys that the company are super cool so that's why um you know fun to support those guys and, and run their stuff so we're both running the i think it's called the fulcrum it's a pretty big pack. It's got a couple pockets on the side for spot or tripod, whatever, and then a big center zip down the middle, which I really like for access. And then what are you running for kind of roughly for, like, clothes, clothing stuff? So right now, nothing too crazy, just running a pair of just light-stick pants, um, Kenetrek boots. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys love those. A lot of guys don't. So far, I'm doing great with Kenetrex as long as they're fresh and new. You know, give them a, you know, give them a few days of break-in time at home. And then get on the mountain with them. Um, I don't want to run a, a, an old, worn-out pair that's six, eight months of everyday use at work, which I do wear mine every single day at work. Yeah. So I just grab a new set before uh, before hunting season usually, and uh, it's mainly just to have a sharp edge. Yeah. I've only I think I've done two two trips where the Kenetrek boot was not quite enough, where I needed like a full-blown mountaineering boot, and that's mainly when we're goat hunting. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so this is my first trip out with this pack. By the way, this is yeah, so. This is, this is a test run with this new um, fulcrum pack. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. I've, I think we've had probably three or four different models over the years. So far, all have been really, really good, and they've progressively yeah. gotten better. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so just random. Like for me, I don't. I'm. I took a bunch of clothes out, so I've got base layer uh, top and bottom, a little, and then like a Sitka heavyweight base layer that's got like a hood, and then I've got a puffy and some rain gear. And I'm going to wear, I'm not sure what pants, either Prana Zions, which are really lightweight and really thin, or Sitka Timberlines, um, one of those two pairs. I've got some La Sportiva boots. Um, for glass, what are you what are you bringing? Right now, I'm running a pair of Leicas, and that's the got the whole range finding combination set up yeah, and styled into the rifle. Yeah. Um, and then I'm running uh, the big the big Swarovski 95 millimeter uh, straight. Okay, so the and, STX 95. Yep. And that's a, that's a larger, heavier. I've got it outfitted with a Gitzo tripod, mm-hmm. so that does help bring some of that weight down. Um, and then a phone scope strapped yeah. up to that when you need yeah. it. So, and that's kind of my stable. That's that's that that you go setup light on has been long, except for that. Yeah. Like he, then we like I used to perfect odds. We would make all kinds of jokes about it. Come on, you don't need that. You don't need to bring the Hubble. We don't need to see into the future. We don't need all the jokes we make. And then every single stinking hunt. Hey, can I look through that? Yeah, everybody wants hey. to use it. And, and yep. I mean, I don't mind. Um, you know, packing. It's a, it's a little more weight. It's worth um, it. But I love getting as much of our stuff on film as we can, you know, trying, trying to make a, a good, clean, long shot and try and catch all of it on film, you know, hopefully to share it with others, but also, you know, if you screw it up, you can go back and look yeah, at the footage you, and yeah. say, okay, you know what, I winged it or it was a clean miss. That's um, a good point. But no, I really like, I like, I like that big glass. Uh, yeah. Despite that weight, I've had a handful of other Soroscopes. Um, this you one, always go back to it. Yeah, this one we've, I think this is probably year number six. 
yeah. that we've been packing it around. I actually wore one. It was still functioning, but we literally kind of wore it yeah. smooth from all the trips that we did. So this year we freshened it up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this will probably be second or third trip out with this one. Yeah. And I, some of the some hunts, guys, like if you're archery, I'll cut in thick ground. Obviously, you guys know you don't need some giant. But if you're trying to see, you know, growth rings and judge a sheep or, or judge a goat or, you know, just you guys know when you need big glass. But anyway, it's been a staple been packed everywhere and it's definitely got some good use um so let's see what else carbon trekking poles uh you're bringing the big 338 yeah um, back on the uh 338 edge yeah no it's uh, not the edge terminator. it's a terminator so it's yep. a lapu improved so it's pushing a 300 gram burger at can't remember where this one 3050 to 3100 it's a big you know it's a kind of a bullpup design so that big long 32 inch barrels actually keeps the overall length relatively short because it's a bullpup so uh, but that's been a staple on our hunts. It's killed a lot of animals. I'm, as you guys know, uh, I've been building up that 6.5 PRC, that lightweight gun. So I've got that. Um, trying to offset. I'm trying to bring. I'm bringing a little more camera gear, some extra lenses, and a bunch more batteries. I'm trying to do. I love taking still pictures. Um, I run a Sony A7R2 uh, body, and I, you know, two or three lenses. And the camera weight really adds up. So in my mind, I'm trying to get a lighter gun to offset some of this camera weight so I don't go in 70 pounds. And so I can, you know, try to go in at about 50, about where I'm at, 50, 55, with, with all the camera gear, which is still a little heavier than I like, but I'm not leaving a lot of that stuff behind. So um, anyway, so we're going in. It's Monday right now. Uh, we're going to get into uh, uh, Fort St. John up in northern B.C., about, I don't know, 11 tonight or something. Yeah. And then we fly out of there tomorrow afternoon um, out to camp. So I don't know. I'm not, I think it's a float plane. I'm not positive. Um, yeah, I haven't heard if it's a float or normal. Yeah, so we'll get out there, and then uh, it'll be uh, just wear the legs out and see what happens. But um, we'll definitely, on the way back, we'll try to do another episode. Like I said, I'm going to try to get this emailed down. If we can get it up while we're gone, would be kind of cool. Uh, but like I said, um it'll be uh hopefully have a lot more update on the way on the way back so uh any other uh i don't know any uh thoughts advice or (laughs) i don't know on this one i mean it'd be cool if you guys would kind of know i mean our goal on this one is um, we don't have a specific ram picked out uh, that we know of i think Mm -hmm. we've got some pretty good opportunities here um so yeah and that's a little bit different for me because i've yeah, I, more times than not, I'm going after animal that I know about. But we do know we we do know the area. We know we know some things. We're kind of keeping it, you know, quiet. It's kind of a weird dynamic up here <clears throat> with the way uh, units work, and and you can get resident pressure, and so it's we're not we're not we're just not going to say what the yeah, unit is. They, they don't want us to share, you know, really a whole lot about it because of the resident pressure that they get, and if you know the stuff starts getting passed around it kind of blows their place wide open so they've asked us to kind of keep it on the down keep things on the quiet a little bit as far as exactly where we're off to um but there is uh but we we do know the area and we there's some really good potential up here so we're pretty we're pretty optimistic for um i don't know we've we've been discussing you know day one day you know day two day five day ten like where you know where our standard is going to be, what we're seeing, and and we we are coming up here for uh, the potential up here is 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 pretty good. <laughs> the odds of beating what we already did is is really it's 
it's going to be hard. Um, Super tough. We we were able to set that bar really really high on on one day of stone sheep hunting, which is unheard <laughs> of. You can't say that. People, so, outfitters will be pissed. Um, like, come on. But yeah, this this I don't know. I don't I don't I don't have a, a size or a number or you know anything. I'm just. I'm pretty stoked to just get up here and get out of town and, and take a break and get into some yeah, pretty for real backcountry. So um, I don't know. We'll kind of see how it unfolds yep. and um, yeah, go from there, I guess. And hopefully we can get another another podcast thrown out either midway through or or coming back. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, if let's see if we could do maybe I'll try to get this to down uh, email down and put up. If there's specific questions, you know, or something, I get asked those under the podcast. Like I said, episode 10, we'll do the giveaway. Jake and I will be back together. Well, we'll, if we do this, we'll have another one in between, but 10 will be our giveaway thing. So apologize for the break there. Uh, But ask some questions under there when we can do it. Ben and I can do a little Q&A, you know, know, on the way down, because we should have service once we get back into town. Um, and if you get this out tonight, we've, we're not flying out till tomorrow afternoon. So we've actually got probably about 20, 18 or 20 hours from right now. Yeah, I just got to find I got to edit it on the laptop and then I got to get some Wi-Fi and, and, and hopefully we can have good enough Wi-Fi to get the file down. Um, so ask us some questions and uh, hopefully we have some pretty good updates for you guys. Um, and then I think... I don't know. I can't. I'm excited. We're people were asking. I was telling Ben. People were asking, "How are you super excited?" And it's and we were both talking about it. it feels it feels kind of surreal. And there's so much going on at home. Ben Ben runs a you know a, a big company where he's super busy. And so you know, and I've been real busy with work. And so it's you're kind of in that 90 mile an hour mode, and it still feels like that a little bit. So we're both excited to like get out there, see the plane, get on the plane, and I think it'll start shifting gears yeah. into more reality. It feels kind of fake right it now. It definitely feels a little, little bit unreal at the moment. We're you know we're driving right through town right now, yeah. and um, you know hopefully by tomorrow when when the plane takes off and leaves us standing there with nothing but our trekking poles, <laughs> yeah, it'll start setting in. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll we're gonna cross your fingers. We don't have any issues with bears. Uh, Monica, you didn't hear that, <laughs> but yeah. there's been some bears up here, but there's a lot of game of there's caribou, there's, you know, mule deer and moose and just all kinds. So it's, it's got the potential to be a pretty epic hunt. So, um, anyway, uh, I guess we'll, we'll end this here. So like I said, ask some questions. We'll, we'll check them out when we get service on the way back, when we do our next one, we'll answer some questions and hopefully have a, some decent stories for you guys. And uh, Jake's not here to say toodles, so you guys aren't going to get it this time. So <laughs> that's how he always signs out. Vin doesn't, Vin doesn't know that part. So anyway, until next time, we will see you guys uh, hopefully in, I don't know, a week to two weeks. We're not sure how long this thing's going to go. So anyway, take care, and we'll talk to you later.